Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. This is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the medium has to offer. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you do that. I always look forward to it. It's honestly my favorite part of the recordings, if I'm yeah. being honest. <laughs> if you're listening, you can uh, you, you can stop now. I think we hit, I think we peaked. This was the peak. <laughs> episode's <laughs> done. Fuck the game. We're good. <laughs> What's going on, dude? I'm tired, man. <laughs> had a long had weekend. a long long weekend. Fun weekend, but long weekend. Spent a lot of time trying to desperately research this game that we're going to be talking about today, trying to derive meaning anywhere I can from it, dude. Uh, which was a struggle which we can get into later um and just feeling a little little under the weather and, um, oh no yeah which is you know That's not okay. you, you can't <laughs> feel that right way. now yeah but um it's all it's all good we're we're at home we're resting up we're feeling healthier did you eat any vitamin c uh how about some vitamin d <laughs> oh okay yeah that's good you got outside yeah yeah <laughs> sounds good <laughs> I was just tired like the past couple of days, but hey, man, you know How it's you, been man? a long week. It's been a long week. Yeah, same, yeah. same over here, man. I'm tired too. You know, I had a great weekend. Uh, watched the Lakers just win two games. Uh, they won on Friday. Yeah, I watched the. Time. I watched that earlier today. Yeah, yeah dude, it was good. Anthony Davis with a game winner. It was that was sick. crazy. That oh was my, my first time really looking at him. And his eyebrows are crazy. His eyebrows. He's got <laughs> one eyebrow. Insane. It's yeah. one. It's not two. It's one eyebrow. He's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Was... You know, it's funny when this comes out, the Lakers will have priority already, probably already won. Hopefully. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, this is this is old news for people. Yeah. So this is a blast from the past. I, I did want to ask though, have you put Podcaster into your Tinder bio yet? Uh, not the Tinder, but the Bumble for sure. How's, how's that going for you? It's working out. It's working out. It, Right? It I had really much today. They're like, yeah, yeah, man, your podcast. Honestly. I'm like, oh, m'lady. I, I tip my phone. <laughs> I will tell you about my podcast. Don't say m'lady, please, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, uh, I mean, besides the good news of you getting more matches, uh, there has been some, there has been some news coming out lately that I did want to yes. ask your opinion on. Yes, sir. The pricing for the new generation of video game consoles has dropped. Hot takes. Now, hot takes, okay, takes. okay. So, video game consoles, a new generation of video game consoles was always a sick thing growing up, right? It was always like super fun, super big. Um, you know, seeing it go from PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3, that was sick, you know? It was always a fun leap. And how do you feel about this generation? How do you feel about this console generation leap? I honestly don't care that much. Dude, okay, me neither. I've cared <laughs> much eat. I've cared, excuse me, I've cared less each generation. And I think a lot of that contributes just to us getting older and the way we game is different. Like, I, I, pretty much every big game, barring some exclusives like Spider-Man, but pretty much every big game that I want to play will also get a PC release at some point. And even if there's, like, an older game that I want to go back and play, say, like, if I want to play Kingdom Hearts, like, those are both got re-released and ported to the Xbox and then, like, PlayStation 4. And if I'm really feeling desperate, feeling a little piratey, I could uh, emulate them, you know, on my yeah. computer. Yeah. And I just, I'm not that interested in either one because it's yeah. like, I, I know if I buy one, it'll just turn into like my next VCR. Like right now my Xbox, I have an Xbox S, one S, and it's basically just, I use it for like Netflix <laughs> Yeah. and like VR Erver for it to watch anime. 
So I'm not that invested in either or. I am interested in watching them compete from the business aspect because I think that's really fun. Yeah. Uh, if I do end up getting one of them, I'll probably get a PlayStation just because I'm more interested in the like, exclusives that are on that one. Like, for example, the new Spider-Man that's going to come out in that game. And honestly, that's about it right now. But I know <laughs> that PlayStation in general has more IPs and more exclusives that I'm interested in. Me too. Playing. Me too. But yeah, it's just it's it's kind of funny. Okay, so I I can't tell at this point if it's because I've gotten older or if it's because the way we game has truly just changed. Well, I think a lot right? of us too, especially like you and me and our friend groups in general, everyone plays on like PC, PC. now, right? Yeah. Like growing up in middle school, like when I finally made the switch to Xbox 360. I was so juiced because all my friends were playing like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, you know? Yeah, that was me too. Um, and that was like the big jump to make. That's where everyone played online because like I had a PS2 before that and I had like basically no online capabilities. So that was the big next step to get excited about and to go and play. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's just like I have my PC that's probably good for at least another three years to play the high-ender or more high-end games. And even then, like, I just need to update it a little bit. I don't need to go out and buy a console. Granted, right. some of the upgrades for it are, like, stupid expensive, like, up to $500 just for, like, a graphics card or whatever it's called, the GPU. Um, but yeah, it's just, like, I don't, I don't need you anymore, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Dude, that's, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy right now. I yeah. think... And I, I, I've always been a Nintendo fan, but I will say that I can only ever see myself wanting to play games on a Switch. It's like, okay, it used to be like everybody had a Wii. This was like, you know, a couple generations ago, but everybody would have a Wii and you either had an Xbox or a PlayStation, but you always had a Wii, right? Yeah. And I think that like at this point, it's like- It was like everybody, the family essential. Yeah, everybody has a Switch and you either get the Xbox or the PlayStation for the like living room and then you have your PC to game on on your desk you know that's that's how my gaming ecosystem i gotta interject for a sec go ahead <laughs> i just remembered like the very first night my family got a wii when i was growing up my mom my mom's like an actual she plays tennis a lot competitively with her friends oh yeah and she's super into it right that her and my dad were playing wii tennis the sports and <laughs> <laughs> it's oh exactly like like one of the things that like be explicitly like warned about happening is she went for like a like when you're playing wii sports tennis like you don't even you don't need to do a full swing, right? You can just like flick your wrist and I, I would sit down. Motion. I would yeah. sit down. My mom's like in the zone moving back and forth, right? And my dad's playing with her standing next to her. My mom does a full on backhand and just like slaps my dad's face all like <laughs> it, it's like exactly one of the things they like would warn you about in the game manual, like make sure no one's standing near you. Yeah. <laughs> she just hit him. Just smacked him across the face and I just remember my dad being like, Screw this, screw video games. <laughs> I'm going to bed type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible, dude. That's that's rough, though. Um, I get it. Yeah, the, uh, that happened to me with Wii Boxing. My sister was the best at Wii Sports Boxing. And yeah. Made me really angry for whatever reason, but good times. That aside, though, what do you think of the price points? So the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, so the, yeah. the disk drive versions of the new gen consoles, are both announced at 499 whereas the PlayStation Digital... And the Xbox is Series four, S is three ninety nine. Three ninety nine, and then the Xbox Series S, which is their digital version, is two ninety nine. I have a very um, well thought out point on this one. Thought about oh. it for about two minutes, and I came up with a uh, really, really solid uh, answer for all this. Now, if I'm going to get a multimedia centered console, if I'm going to put something in my living room, I want it to be the PS Five. 
I want yeah. it to have a disk drive. I want it to play my Blu-rays. I want it to be super high quality. But if I'm going to get something to game on in bed or otherwise, right, I'm going to go for the Xbox $300 version because I just want to download games. I, I hardly buy. I can't remember the last time I bought a game physically. I just can't. I literally can't remember the last one I did that for. Maybe it was like, dude, like it was seriously uh, Skyward Sword. Like I don't remember the <laughs> that was years ago. Yeah, it's kind of weird because like I, I like owning physical media just to have it. You know, I don't. I have no reason for wanting to get the physical copies versus digital copies, other than just to say I had it. It's the same reason I like reading books, like in book form, and not get like a Kindle. Like I have cabinets here filled with books i don't have anywhere to put them it makes so much more sense for me to get a kindle i'm just not willing to make that switch you know what i mean and it's kind of the same thing for me with games like obviously on the pc everything's digital now there's no way around that i mean my gaming pc doesn't even have a disc drive drive. to it um but i don't know why i'm still just resistant in yeah in that and sometimes too like it's just cheaper to get it discs to like i remember i bought red dead redemption 2 um, used from a GameStop for like fourteen ninety nine, and it was like thirty bucks or something on Amazon or like digital anywhere as well. So that's actually something I didn't really consider. So maybe the physical disc drive thing is something to consider in terms of like the used game market. Which yeah, who knows how long the used game market is going to last? Because GameStop just announced it's closing like three hundred stores. Yeah, you know, during this <laughs> COVID era, it's a I was listening to an time, episode man. of a uh, Game Scoop though, and the I guess someone said they like drove past the GameStop. And like they just saw the lines out the door of people trying to put in pre-orders for the Xbox and the PS or the new Xbox Man. and PlayStation Five, and I'm just imagining like people in the games shopping like, oh my god, <laughs> people, it's happening. <laughs> people We're saved. Here. Jerry, get the door, Jerry. <laughs> just something like that. <laughs> Don't get the, get the Windex, clean the damn store. <laughs> get the Cheetos, oh, get the Cheetos off. <laughs> you know, just like clean, just, like freaking out. Like. <laughs> Uh, so so on the game on the GameStop subject subject you ready you ready for this segue yeah yeah you know what people would have bought at GameStop Killer Seven Killer Seven Killer Seven oh which, <laughs> he did it I did it uh, honestly I'd be it. shocked if you could still find that game at a GameStop <laughs> I, it's I don't probably know, on Amazon for like I'm just gonna get a look up it's probably on Amazon for like fifty bucks or something right now nah maybe maybe I'm gonna look maybe. it up real quick actually honestly okay Killer Seven what a game. Killer7. The Fever Dream Simulator, as I like to call it. Lucas may have some disagreements <laughs> about that. But, I do disagree yeah. with that. I, <laughs> I think it's more like a Quentin Tarantino, uh, David Lynch video game simulator, if you ask me. Yeah. Killer7 was awesome. Killer7 was super badass. Matt? Killer7 was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so there's gonna be a fundamental disagreement on this episode of the pod and that's fine you know we're gonna have these kinds of episodes where matt just disagrees with the game that i made him play and that's fine before we let it get away it's on amazon for 37 bucks for the gamecube and for 70 bucks for the playstation the worst port that's the worst port higher. yeah i yeah, i, I heard that that was a really bad version of the game but yeah. um actually even the bad version of the game would be pretty great because this game is that good matt what do you think of nah. that thing i just said <laughs> <laughs> this game was so good it was like so awesome you know how i, I feel it. about this game and this will be like my you can get you can explain after this but before uh-huh. i beat this game i told you i was gonna go see tenet and you didn't like chris nolan yeah, I don't, and you were I, saying I'm, how it's yeah. convoluted for no reason. 
That's kind of how I felt about no, the game. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> There's a big distinction there. And I will go out publicly in podcast form saying that I am a avid Chris Nolan hater. And you can debate me on that. That's fine. Audience, I know we got like 20,000 people listening, downloads a month, you know, and it's fine. You could fight me online. It's cool. We actually uh, just hit 30,000. Oh, we did. Oh, dude. Yeah. We got to celebrate sometime. Joe Rogan I, is actually asking us to advertise him <laughs> on this podcast now. It's getting weird. Uh, in terms of, of I almost said Joe Rogan. In terms of <laughs> Killer Seven versus something like a Tenet or you know Interstellar or whatever the hell Nolan makes these days. What's the other one? Inception. That one, and then Dark Knight. Dunkirk. 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 Right. I think, I think that Killer Seven is a type of media that makes you really have to use your brain to think. Whereas anything Chris Nolan makes, he just assumes that you're an idiot and he gives you all the meaning up front and doesn't allow you to interpret anything. Whereas everything in Killer7 is up to interpretation. I loved this game. This game was super foundational for me. Um, I, I got into this game from a young age. <laughs> what foundations it. in this set? Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I played this game very, very young. I first <laughs> beat it when I was in seventh grade. Okay. And I had, um, I had been kind of getting into some, some more mature movies. I had watched in seventh grade. It was, seventh grade was a big year for me, Matthew. I watched big Fargo year. for the first time. I watched Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction for the first time. And I was kind of diving into more, you know, mature, somewhat violent movies. Sure. Um, Coen Brothers and Tarantino. And this game was like, this game has some ultra violence in it for sure. It's got brutality and like gore and just craziness, and especially. It is crazy. Yeah. That's it, why yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's got some really insanely like crazy moments, you know? And I think like for me, uh, when I was, when I first played it, when I was in seventh grade, it just kind of touched a nerve for sure. Where I was like, Oh my God, like a headless ghost talking to me <laughs> from a dryer. What is going on in this game? And some of the surreal stuff of like, I mean, you're, you're, we might, we might have to go actually with the <laughs> synopsis of what the game is actually about. I think people might be confused in what we're talking about. Yeah. Go for it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So before I go any further in what I think about this game, I will give a quick synopsis on the game. First, I want to bring up the game manual. For those of you <laughs> not watching, for those of you not watching on YouTube, I am holding up an original Killer7 GameCube instruction manual from the original Killer7 game release. Hipster. Yeah, I got uh, I got some physical media on what me a right collectible. now. And you know, actually, you know, I, I won't go I won't go into the rant now, but man, I do really miss instruction manuals. Yeah, now you just get like a postcard. I feel like if that, game. if yeah. that. <laughs> so I will read the synopsis of Killer7 in this story of what's going on in this video game, okay? Because it's it's a cult classic. A lot of people haven't heard of this one, but it's a good one. Ready, Matthew? Bring it home, Big Daddy. 1998. This game takes place in alternate universe starting in 1998. All international disputes have been resolved. July 3rd marked the celebration of the birth of a global community that has brought about true peace across the globe. The great powers began peacekeeping activities on a global scale under the banner of suppressing terrorism and completely shutting down all air transportation and getting rid of every network terminal, all in a short span of just two years. 
a network of intercontinental expressways opened up spanning the oceans and connecting the continents. So this is the world that we find ourselves in. Then an intercontinental delivery system in 2003, 2003 was constructed on a massive scale. Nuclear energy has been banned and all radioactive, radioactive material has been disposed of and all international missiles eliminated removing all threats and bringing peace to the world. Whoa. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Billy Mays here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there is an international terrorist attack at a signing ceremony at the UN World Security Treaty signing. Something called the Heaven Smile explodes at the UN Treaty signing, causing a scare and an uproar of a new threat of terrorism. Terrorism in the truest sense to instill terror in the populace. The world stood in silence at this new invisible explosive fear. So the great powers enlisted the help of the only people able to stop the heaven smiles, Killer Seven. Killer the only seven. ones capable of knocking out the new threat, led by Harmon Smith. Killer Basically, seven. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically God. Yeah, Thomas in a Summer. way. In a way. <laughs> so, Killer 7 as far as the gameplay, it consists of um on rails movement down corridors and hallways, killing these invisible zombie-style slow-moving creatures known as the Heaven Smiles. Now, the Heaven Smiles are invisible to the human eye, and only you, the Killer 7, are able to see it. Through this game, you're able to play as seven different unique characters that all have a unique type of weapon, a unique style of fighting and shooting, and unique abilities that help you get through each individual level. Each... Occasionally an eighth as well with Harmon. You occasionally get to play as Harmon. Occasionally an eighth. Occasionally an eighth. Yeah. I did forget that, which Carmen, which is Harmon Smith. Yes. Uh, each individual assassin in the Killer 7 is called upon to do a certain task throughout the mission, and each mission ends with one singular target being assassinated. And that singular target usually has something to do with the overall international political thriller plot. But each time you are fighting the Heaven Smiles throughout the levels. And the Heaven Smiles are these slow-walking, slow-moving, invisible creatures that jump on you and explode. Okay. Um, this all sounds really weird <laughs> already, I know. Um, you play as, everybody's last name is Smith. You play as Dan Smith. You play as Garcian Smith, Kaidi Smith, Coyote Smith, uh, Kevin so Smith, Con Smith. Yeah, everybody's name is Smith because they're all assassins, right? Which is really, really freaking cool. It's a 12-year-old Lucas, <laughs> right? Who, and, who's your um, favorite Smith to play as? Uh, I played as Coyote this time. Really? Around. Coyote is, is a badass, yeah. Okay. Who'd you play as? I liked Con. Oh, you played it. You're a con guy. Oh, okay. Con yeah, yeah. is a it. blind <laughs> Chinese American assassin. He's like a he kid wields, too, isn't he? He wields two pistols. Yeah, he's like yeah. a kid. Yeah. I liked him because his play style is just so like you don't really have to worry too much about your aim. Just get as many shots off as you can. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to play a more subtle guy. You know, like Coyote. Right. Yeah, yeah. Way cooler. Anyway, uh, Killer Seven it was a, it was a strange game in terms of gameplay. It was it's really weirdly received because you you actually move with A, and you turn around with B, and you aim with R. You scan with L, and then you shoot with A while you're aiming. Yeah, with dude, the R. controls took me like a good like two two hours just to get used to because <laughs> it's so intuitive for you just to like want to move with your analog stick. Or I was playing with keyboards, so like WASD, you know. Yeah, and it was just so weird to 
to not do that. Um, the gameplay in general is just so weird. It, actually, when you think about it, the gameplay in itself is really simple. It's basically as like a real style shooter, kind of like a yeah. time 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 crisis, crisis, yeah, like a time crisis kind of, um, with like little power ups here and there, and then you just choose which way you want to go. So the actual gameplay itself is very simple, which I think is good because it does let you focus on how freaking weird the game is. Yeah, because you don't exactly. have to worry at all about like landing crazy combos. It's just very simple gameplay. Now look at how weird my game is. Like that's yeah. what, I feel like that's what the director's trying to tell us. <laughs> it's walk, aim, shoot. Keep walking, talk to a ghost, get a clue, solve a puzzle, walk, aim, shoot, repeat. Yeah, very straightforward. Yeah, the gameplay loop is actually a very simple gameplay loop. And uh, the, the, the subtlety inside the game, the game itself is really in terms of like the dialogue and the cutscenes and some of these puzzles that you have to figure out where different things might represent different things. I mean, this game is so strange that so many things are open to interpretation. Um, and I, I know... Matt's not the biggest fan, I could tell already, of this video game. He t texted me throughout the gameplay, and he's... <laughs> he's just, he wasn't, wasn't feeling it as much as me, but I was feeling it. I love it. Um, and, and there was, like, some moments where the dialogue just really, really grabbed me, um, where things were just super strange and interesting, and I, I just ate it up. The... The dialogue is definitely one of the stronger parts. Like, the strong parts of the game, I think, are, like, the art design... And the dialogue, obviously, and then the sound design as well. I think the sound design is phenomenal. I will say that. Yeah. But it just it didn't blend together well enough for me, I guess. And I think what it came down to at the end of the day is I just felt like the game itself was just so convoluted. And the story. Just, the story was so convoluted that like I just couldn't get past it because, like, I I like I I can enjoy convoluted things. Like one of my favorite game series is Kingdom Hearts, which. My God, it's one of the most convoluted game series out there. I'll never hesitate to admit that. But yeah, I don't know. For some reason, this one just like didn't. I I couldn't find the meaning in the game beyond all like the convolutedness of it. Like for example, it was something like Stanley Parable or Beginner's Guide, where it's kind of a weird, funky game and arguably maybe convoluted here and there. But like it's still easy to kind of see past like that surface layer and to see okay, here's what they're trying to say. Here's what the um you know, directors going forward, in this case, Suda. Um, I just had trouble getting to that point and understanding what was going on with this game. And, like, I was always so focused on the dialogue, like, looking for every little cryptic meaning. I realized, like, oh, shit, I missed a clue or something. And then there's just so much, like, backtracking. And I was just like, man, I, I like games that make me think, but don't not games that make me hurt or not hurt. I'm <laughs> <laughs> actually it hurt a little bit yeah it hurt it games hurt that make game. me stress out to make sure i get every little clue and every little bit of dialogue from a ghost that's speaking in like broken english um okay i think things you guys, I don't understand. you're being a little you're being a little harsh right there harsher than harsh <laughs> if you ask Harsher than harsh my master <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i i think i agree with you in a lot of in a lot of ways I, it, it is a very convoluted game it's actually notoriously convoluted i mean Anybody out there, you can go on YouTube right now and just look up Killer7 analyses or Killer7 video game, and you're going to see a lot of videos. It's a very divisive video game where people are somewhat – I mean, people love it. Like, I love it, right? Or people just don't care for it. Like, that's the narrative behind this yeah. sort of video game. And I, I think that's that's fine. You know, that's that's appropriate. And, and there's a lot of um, – there's a lot of <laughs> – this is – 
the magnum opus of its of the creator suda 51 and this is this game he has was made said by, he thinks it's his best work yeah. yeah and i agree i agree this this game was made by grasshopper manufacturer and that's a video game developer out of japan um they've made games like no more heroes lollipop chainsaw killer is dead um, they've made a lot of games that are kind of slashy, gory, weird, and convoluted as well. But to me, I think Killer7 really rides this really artistic line where it's it's not an overly complex game in terms of gameplay. It's not hard no. to play. It's not crazy. It's actually a very stripped-down, minimal game. Even it's in very terms linear. Of, very linear, even in yeah. terms of art style. It's actually very easy to comprehend, very minimal um, Gradients, colors, sharp edges, sharp objects, and stuff like that. Corridors, stairwells. Very easy to understand uh, art style and things like that. But just when you when you just every time I sat and talked to a ghost that would give you a clue through the level, there was there was a number of different ghosts. There was Travis. They call them in the game like remnant psyches. Remnants, yeah. There was Travis, who was the first target from the kill for the Killer Seven, who was a remnant psyche. Uh, Susie Sumner who was a young psych psychopath killer girl who came to you in the form of a headless ghost that would talk to you and give you clues. Um, there was uh, Kess Bloody Sunday, who was a young boy who was obsessed with bombs, also a psychopath killer um, who would give you clues on how to kill certain enemies. And then there was <laughs> the homie Iwazaru. Homie. Oh, he was <laughs> so, so much. Iwazaru was a man in a bondage suit. He was a ghost and he would hang from the ceiling and he would give you clues about what to do and where to go next. But he he was a servant of yours and he would always refer yeah. to you as my master. My master. And there was like consistency yeah, like in the, the best words one liners too. You like my yeah. master. We're in a tight spot. Or We're in master. a tight spot. This is harsh. Harsher, harsher than harsh. Than harsh. <laughs> <laughs> me, and, me and Matt have started texting each other these lines, by the way. Yeah. So if anything, this video game has uh, has created our, a really cool catchphrase. It has like great one-liners and catchphrases. I will give it Yeah, it's sure. got good quips for sure. But um, man, there's just some really, really amazing things about this dialogue. And, and I want to go into it a little bit later when we talk about the sound design. I do want to queue up a few little uh, sound bites here. But um, check us out, Matt. I do have a little bit of a... Of a little nugget of information even if you're not super into the gameplay itself i want to give context about the game please do okay this game this game came out for the gamecube in 2005 okay and let me let me name some games that came out in 2005 maybe you played them maybe you heard of them maybe not <laughs> call, of, <laughs> call of duty 2 <laughs> resident evil 4 god of war 1 shadow of the colossus psychonauts time splitters Future Perfect. You ever played any of those? Actually, I don't think I ever did. Any of those? Really? Nah, dude. My never... my early gaming years was just spent like with Pokemon and like Mario on my Game Boy, dude, and then Kingdom Hearts too. I pretty much played all those games. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Your no, library I mean, is probably a little deeper than mine, to be honest. I, I mean, okay, but but you know of those games at the very least. Oh so, yeah, I mean that's instant name recognition. So so you understand that like you know. Resident Evil 4, God of War 1, Call of Duty 2. These games were the complete opposite direction of what Killer7 was trying to do. And I think that like, if Killer7 came out last year, 2018, 2019, 2020, whatever, this game would have been considered like a really unique little indie gem. It would have been a stripped down, interesting, minimal art house video game experience. But yeah. because it came out a long time ago during a different era, when things were coming out like Call of Duty, Resident Evil, Psychonauts, Shadow of the Colossus even was like a kind of a big scaled, kind of more unique 
game that came out at the time. Killer7 was so on the opposite end of the spectrum for so many other games that I think that it created a huge rift, especially during a time where there was really only one price point for a video game. And that was like $50. I mean, yeah. you paid $50 for Killer7 or you paid $50 for God of War 1. Everybody was buying God of War 1. I couldn't imagine paying 50 bucks for this game today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, that's why, I I mean, for me, I first played this game when I was very young. Um, Obviously, my older brother bought it, and he thought it was badass, and I played it, and I played it on my own and everything. But I think, like, if this came out, like, and it was $10 or something, I don't know, it would have a different output. It would have a different sort of narrative to it, which I think is something really interesting to consider. Because the dialogue is there. The sound design is there. It's as good as any modern, cool art indie game. But I actually think people this don't game dig it. I think this game would have been more successful if it was released today. In its current form, like the Steam port, if it was released today for like $10 than it was when it was released back when it was in 2005. Because it wasn't even that like um, financially successful, if I remember correctly. Like It didn't have a huge sale numbers or anything. But I feel like today... It would scratch such a unique uh, itch for like all the people that are like hardcore indie gamers, like ha fuck off type of, like, type of people, You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think the would just really dig the game. Um, yeah. I want to touch base a little bit too, and you can add to this as well. But just the director, Suda Fifty One. What a yeah. weirdo. Yeah, Suda right? 50, go, so Suda Fifty One is the nickname that has been bestowed upon, and actually given to by himself, Goichi Suda. Goichi Suda is a video game developer uh, from Japan. Um, Goichi uh, means 5-1 in Japanese. So his name is Goichi Suda. Therefore, his nickname is uh, Suda51. He's the main director, creator, writer of Killer7. He's made other games uh, like No More Heroes and Lollipop Mm -hmm. Chainsaw, Killer is Dead, just to name a few big ones. Um, And he's really known as a real enigmatic figure. I mean, uh, Grasshopper Manufacturer is the name of his developer or his development company, right? Grasshopper Manufacturer. And if you look at the logo for Grasshopper Manufacturer, it's it's like a grasshopper with a man's head kind of kind of photorealistic on top of the grasshopper and then it just says punk's not dead underneath the logo and see that <laughs> yeah dude, he's just badass. such a weird weird guy like like before he got into the gaming industry he worked as like an undertaker at a at he was a, an undertaker for yeah God's so sake. he was like a grave digger basically <laughs> it's just like there's one quote too from Garcia and Smith where I'm like, that must just be from his time as an undertaker. Yeah. Cause there's one quote where it's like, I can correct me on this, but something like, I feel nothing when I see a dead body. So yeah. He says cold rotting flesh or something. He says, or I can feel nothing. Listen, I'm a cleaner. <laughs> I feel no remorse from a dead body. To me, it's just cold rotting flesh. Yeah. Oh, and like, so good. to me, that just like, <laughs> screams like undertaker, undertaker. <laughs> grave digger um and yeah it's so interesting too because he had his roots i forgot what the name of the original gaming company was but like one of the first games he worked on was he joined as like a narrative or scenario writer for some wrestling game. wrestling game yeah um and basically like uh, service value was just like a basic you know wrestling beat up fighting game and then once your main character at the end of the game, you know, he like achieves his dreams, you know, is like the number one fighter. And then it's, he's like, well, 
I got nothing left to do. And then he kills himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's super dark, and, like, you wouldn't expect it from a game like that. Apparently, even back then when that game originally came out, there was, like, it sent waves through... Um, yeah. Through Japan. People are like... like uh, yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine you release a video game, which is mostly meant for kids. You play a video game, you go through this whole storyline where you're a wrestler trying to rise all the way up to the top, and you get to the top, you finish the game... And the main character shoots himself because he's achieved his dreams. That's insane. He yeah. wrote that. So Goichi Suda is and always has been someone obsessed with the idea of death, obsessed with the idea of just like being being crazy, kind of twisting things around and creating like a really weird narrative. Whether it's a mainstream game, whether it's a wrestling game, you know, whether it's something like No More Heroes or Lollipop Chainsaw, which yeah. Lollipop Chainsaw is about a cheerleader with a chainsaw <laughs> fighting zombies, you know, at her high school. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, his biggest, like, I was watching some, a couple of different video essays on this before we uh, recorded today, and both of the video essays I watched, they both referenced, like, his main, um, I guess, kind of underlying themes that he touches on in his games being uh, individualism, society, and death. And he yep. had total, total creative freedom with Killer7. He's basically able to make whatever he wants. You can totally see all of those bleed through into the game. It's so just like clearly there, and yeah, I mean, if no, yeah, me me not caring personally aside for this game that much aside, like I think this guy's amazing. Yeah, he's definitely like the David Lynch or the Quentin Tarantino of video games. Absolutely, and his stuff's insane. Like it's yeah, just the the fact that Killer Seven is his own brainchild, and the fact that someone was able to come up with it blew as my mind. Yeah, like it's incredible. It's, it's amazing it's that this game exists. Impressive. It's yeah. amazing that this game even exists, and that it even got published and made, and and it had dialogue that that was like this. I, I actually am going to read off a little bit of dialogue just so people get a sense of of the way Suda Fifty One writes his dialogue. It's it's filled with a number of different kind of not. I don't want to call them non sequiturs, but like just strange kind of weird quips that gets thrown in there. So this is something from one of the levels of Killer Seven. When you find one of the headless ghosts, her name is Susie Sumner. She, this is, she's, she's uh, one of my favorite people that talks to you. And she says something very, very strange. She says, well, hello, Smith. I finally get some fresh air. It's not that I don't like tight places, but there's a limit to everything. This place is a bit too tight. The box, it's no way to treat someone. It's like the murder of a mutilation slashed into pieces pieces it completely slipped my mind maybe i've fallen into pieces <laughs> it's, it's like what is going what right? is she talking yeah. about <laughs> and then she just goes on to just start talking about like how this is how killers are born and how she killed somebody and how like she slashed them into pieces and now i'm in pieces and it's like it's it's literally something straight out of like some sort of lynchian surreal murder story you know where like it's incredibly weird yeah characters aren't don't really say things that that are it almost feels like the dialogue is jumbled or out of order or the characters themselves are confused about who they are what they do and i i just i i eat that up and i I said that earlier i i think like it just resonates with me so much um and on top of some of the this dialogue portrayed in some cutscenes with some really cool voice acting. I mean, I played this game to get to those kinds of scenes. Sure. Yeah. Now. <laughs> what? Nothing. I'm just, I'm glad you liked the game so much. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Cause you clearly didn't like the game that much. 
It was fine. Okay. <laughs> you can okay, we'll, we'll, when we get to the point where you tell your game rating, then we'll we'll see we'll see how you really feel. Matt, <laughs> let's talk about art style. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the art uh, style? I actually really like the art style. That's one of the high points for me for sure. Mm-hmm. It I don't know if you watched it, but it kind of reminded me of Kill a Kill. I did, did see Kill that a anime? Kill. Yeah, the, I did. I don't know why, but it made me reminded me of that art style in the anime and just in the way everything's very outlandish and kind of um, very, I guess, exaggerated. Um, yeah, I don't really have... Like, I, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm not much enough of an tour to like point to any specific like styles or like things that remind me of it. But I felt like I was watching a cool anime, and it particularly reminded me of Kill a Kill. But yeah, it was just it was very funky, and it was definitely one of the high points of the game, especially around the time when it came out in 2005. I don't think there were many things that had an art style like it, um, especially with it being on the GameCube and the PlayStation 2. I really do think it holds up well today. It's still an art style that I can appreciate as being like its its own unique thing. Like it, 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 it could be like I mentioned earlier. It could be released today and totally hold up to any other thing, because it the art style is so unique. It doesn't feel out of place in twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I I have the exact same thought. The art style is stripped down, minimal, cell shaded. Yeah, and I think the art style. I don't know whether it's intentional or unintentional, but I think it really future proofed the game. The minimalism created this really cool like look that you can appreciate up to 15 years later you know where yeah, it has these like exactly. gradients and sharp corners and like for instance there's certain there's certain choices that are made that are just really really cool like so when a character dies in killer seven they die in a particular spot on a level and where they die there's like just a bag like a paper bag of i don't know body their flesh <laughs> body parts or something but the bag is like really small it looks like a lunch bag and there's just an outline of their body in chalk and the bag is just left there. And when you walk up to that bag with one of the characters, Garcia and Smith, then a little a little scene plays where he puts the bag in his case, and then that's how you revive one of the Killer Seven, thereby making them, you know, kind of serially immortal. Immortal, yeah. right? And I mean, when Garcia and Smith walks up to that bag, like a little scene plays, and in that scene, no matter where you are. All of a sudden, there's like curtains. Looks like that room from Twin Peaks. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really a does. Lot of that. Yeah. It looks like the room with the curtains, you know, but the curtains are purple, very minimal. Um, and Garcin kind of walks up. There's no music. And he just kind of, it's all sound design. It's just like bag yeah. into the, like paper bag, into his bag, close, shut, done. Right? Yep. And to like that art style that that choice to make it so it's like it's not some fancy schmancy thing it's just no matter where you are on a level all of a sudden you're teleported to this room to revive somebody yeah curtains and a paper bag um so i think the choices to make things really minimal and just focus purely on the idea behind it super cool that's what i really appreciate about the art style for sure yeah, yeah, dude. I'm glad you picked up on that uh, Twin Peaks thing as well, because that really yeah. reminded me of it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah the game sure. in general, just like the tone, or the, the, yeah, the tone of it, I guess, really reminded me of Twin Peaks uh, quite a bit. So for sure. I mean, it's like, I if you ever seen any other David Lynch things, I mean, it's totally like Mulholland Drive ish, Eraserhead ish. I think it's totally on that borderline, but it's also so like violent and gory yeah. and bloody. There's definitely some like Tarantino. Oh yeah, like. For sure like Takashi Miike influences for sure. And I just, um, God, just can't say enough awesome stuff. about the game. And just the, the way the, like 
the choices of some of the characters, like the way they present them, are so weird too. Like when Almeida is like turned into a heaven smile, Almeida being one of the bosses and one of the levels. Yeah. Like his like blood like pops out of him and like turns like to these string things and like takes his hair off of him. And yeah. It's just it's, his afro flies his off. His afro flies yeah. off and like his brain pops out of his head and like you have to shoot his brain to win. It just makes no sense what's going on, but it works somehow. Yeah. Another thing too, I really liked one of the reasons I did want to keep playing the game and I did want to get through the game, besides having recorded for this podcast, uh, <laughs> was I loved the anime scenes that they had. Like they were good. Yeah. By far I think my favorite level in the game was the one with Omeda. Because I loved the scenes. I loved the ending scene where uh, Clarence is Clarence, driving away, yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, Omeda, yeah, he left this for me, and he's just like drinking. I don't know, weird, weird, weird scene. Weird I'm not stuff. really sure I understand what happened, but I love how it was all presented. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Without spending too much time on that, I will say I think there's a lot of deep interpretations to that level for sure. Yeah, I think like I mean the whole game. There's so many interpretations and like ways to think about like. There's what the literally like a 120 are. page document on like IGN.com. I know going over the game. Yeah. yeah, and I think like you know just just as a quick aside, I think something like that particular level, and just for those of you that haven't played the game, most likely you haven't played the game. <laughs> there's a level where you go to Texas and you go into a small cult town where somebody infected with like someone that's basically being turned into a heaven smile leading a cult is like kind of causing a ruckus in the world, yeah. you know, and like turning other people into heaven smiles and you go into the town to assassinate him and kill him. He's the cloud man. And <laughs> that's the name of the level cloud man. And you go and there's like this cutscene where he puts one of his cult followers into a supercar, and just the car speeds off. And the person in the car almost like dies from going so fast in the car. And it's just really crazy anime sequence. It has a really cool art style to it. it. Doesn't it's not cell shaded. It's it's actually 2D and it looks really cool. Stripped down color um, and all that stuff. But it's I I think like the whole thing is like not literal. You know I believe that like a lot of these scenes in Killer Seven are really meta metaphorical and open to interpretation. Where Clarence getting in that supercar and nearly dying because it's going so fast. That's like that's a lot to say, man. I mean, what does that <laughs> say about like? America or Texas or the South, you know, or like wanting more or like following a leader that just puts you in something that you, you, he knows is going to kill you. There's, there's so much going on. And they it. honestly, they make all made it out to be kind of like a Jesus Christ figure too. Yeah. Cause it's basically, I don't know if it's outright said, but it's pretty much implied that like all of his followers drink his blood. Cause it's also implied too that his blood is basically filled with like incredible antibodies because yeah. <laughs> he injects himself with like all these diseases, right? So his blood itself could almost be argued to have like healing properties, right? And at the end, when Almeida dies and Clarence comes back somehow fine from the supercar, he, he like he's drenched in his blood. he's drenched in Almeida's blood because Almeida just died and his his blood showering everywhere. He like takes one lick of his arm and be like, oh, that's that's master. That's, yeah, he's like Almeida. this tastes like his blood. I'm yeah, just on his will. And I'm just like I don't know what I'm watching, but I'm kind of. <laughs> You don't need to know, man. You just need to interpret. You need to find out what you think it's about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. What do we think about the sound design? Dude, the sound design was phenomenal, man. Yeah. I uh, Honestly, the art and the sound were the high points of the game for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack was amazing. I love the, like, for example, just the like moments, for example, like when you'd go into the gatekeeper's room, right? And like the start, music. like the funky, like 
No, it's club. It's for club music for sure. Maybe not club today, but older club music starts playing, and it's just like super funky and fun, and like you just want to start dancing to it. Yeah, awesome. And I thought the voice acting was actually surprisingly pretty good. Um, Man, (laughs) I recognized one voice actor in particular. I don't know if you did, but his name is Steve Blum. Um, I first knew him from he voiced. uh, Did you ever watch an anime? on Toonami growing up called IGPX. Mm-mm. Uh, it's basically like anime with big like mechs racing, like Gundam style mechs kind of. Um, I think I, oh, I think I did remember. I think I do remember that one. Yeah, it was on Toonami growing up, like with Dragon Ball and like all the late night stuff that you would play on Saturdays. And I loved it. Um, but he has this very distinct, like deep, uh, unique voice. He plays the the principal. Um Oh, and he play, okay. He actually plays a few other characters in the game as well. I don't remember their names off the top of my head. Um, I think one of the Japanese generals, he plays them as well. But he has this very distinct voice. And it was very, it was very cool for me to hear him like there and being able to recognize that um, all the way back then. And like knowing that, like, oh, wow, this guy was doing a lot back then. Okay, Because his man. big thing he does is like he's a, he does a lot of anime dubovers. Um so I don't hear him as much these days because I'm usually watching and sub, but he's definitely one of the better anime dub voice actors for sure. And it was fun to get to hear some of his way earlier work, I guess. Oh, man. I will have to take a look at that. Yeah. Hmm. So as far as sound design for me, yeah, it was really, really good. In fact, I actually have a soundbite I am going to play for us here because I want everybody to know what we're dealing with in terms of like the sound design, voice, music and things like that. So I did queue up something. This is the cutscene that takes place at the end of the very first mission of Killer7, which is called Angel, where you assassinate an angel, okay? And then you eventually approach um, kind of a the puppet master behind the whole game, the main bad guy, Kun Lan. Kun okay, Lan. this is a dialogue between Kun Lan, who's the main bad guy, and Harmon Smith, the leader of the Smith, the Smith assassination syndicate. Okay, so I'm going to play it for you right now. Oops, I guess my trick didn't work on you. Tricks are for kids, Coon. I'm an old man. (laughs) Love that one. Ah, yes. Nothing has changed for 30 years. No matter how many times you try, the result will be the same. Ah, yes. Like our chess games, you always seem to win. Do you know why? You tell me. Because you're a bad player. so good (laughs) just 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 like the little like little quips you know it's like do you know why you always lose our chess games because you're a bad player it's like oh i never even thought about that (laughs) it's like it's It's amazing oh oh, you're right (laughs) yeah man uh so just one other note is i loved the i am a blackburn stuff as well oh yeah yeah there was yeah, just yeah. this random weird like anime cosplay character. cosplay yeah. like boss that you fought that was just named ayame blackburn and she just ran and shot a gun and dressed like a little high school japanese schoolgirl. it's very weird but it was fun <laughs> it was fun that was a good fight <laughs> anyway man uh 
NPC award. We're already there. Already right, there. <laughs> Speed it through, what's baby. Your, fa- faster what's your favorite? Than Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> what's your uh, favorite NPC? Uh, it's actually it's uh, it has to be Iwazaru. Um, okay. Just I think it's the obvious pick, and I'm okay with that. He's just. I always looked forward to talking to him whenever I see him popped up because I feel like he's always like my little cheerleader in yeah. the corner, you know? Be like, my master, my master, my master yeah. in a tight spot. They're just like, <laughs> oh, this is... I remember there was one part too where he's just like, this this is just gross. <laughs> this is just like grosser than gross. Just absolutely yeah. disgusting. And it's just yeah. like his dialogue was always just so like... I'm, I don't really even know what you're talking about, but I'm into it. There, and, there, was, a, there was a dialogue he had when you go to the amusement park level and he's like... Master, this is amazing. I love roller coasters. <laughs> roller coaster, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you do. <laughs> and he, and he, to give, just to like kind of picture this. He was he's like this guy in like this red bondage suit, basically, like like hanging from what looks like kind of a noose, to be honest. And it's just yeah. just like this dialogue coming from this like kind of like what looks like something out of American Horror Story type of figure. Yeah, it's just, it, it's just such a contradiction, and it, it just worked really well for me. And I was just yeah. yeah. Like, Fuck yeah, he was a, he's was he's a good he's a good NPC. I like him. My my NPC award, personally, has to go to Susie Sumner, the little headless head. Yeah. yeah, I every every single thing she says is pure gold in terms of dialogue because she's just like her story is that she's just a psych, psychopath young girl killer that got committed to an insane asylum and was also an assassin. And then eventually was killed by the Killer Seven, and that's why she is a remnant psyche that lives inside your head as the Killer Seven. Yep. Right. And um, it's just this. She's just so like strange, like in this dialogue right here, and I'll, I'll read it right now. She says, "Lovers in pieces, families in pieces, bodies in pieces." Talking about mutilation, she says, "My whole life is just about pieces." Then I figured, why stop now? People I don't care for also in pieces before i knew it i was all alone (laughs) then i blew up the facility to pieces and now there's nobody left that's when i met him daddy long legs here i'll give you this now and she gives you like a little ring and then she says he was so very kind he enveloped me in his warmth extending his hand for a gentle caress then extending his ha- his hand to the gentle grand prize down south. Now that really drove me mad. Next moment, I'm looking at a pile of minced man. And he knows he deserved it. These baby boomers don't know right from wrong. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> it's like, baby boomers well, don't know right from wrong. Yeah, I know. It's like, Maybe more relevant than ever. <laughs> yeah, dude, these baby boomers don't know right from wrong. Susie, yeah. that's why you win the NPC award. You're incredible. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, man. Yeah, companion yeah. piece yeah yeah yeah. uh <laughs> for me it is a phenomenal movie called hobo with a shotgun <laughs> yeah <laughs> um honestly no no hidden meanings here the movie is exactly kind of what it sounds like <laughs> basically um a hobo that just really wants to buy a lawnmower but um there's a lot of bad people in his town that won't let him So he becomes a vigilante and resolves to clean up his town from all the bad people with a shotgun. Um, Basic plot of the movie right there. Um, And the reason I picked it is that movie feels like a fever dream. It's very practical effects with everything they do. And it's, there's very, a lot of like 
um, high contrast, like red colors, just to add like emphasis onto like violent moments and stuff. And it's just, it's very like a, just a roller coaster movie, like Joyride, like very fast paced, very like go, 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 next thing, next thing, very like kind of quirky, dialogue heavy, kind of like how Killer Seven is. Yeah. And it's just such a fun, random watch. Um, I have such fond memories of it. I remember I'd watch it with. Uh, this was like on Xbox 360 way back in the day in like high school or middle school where you could still like watch Netflix and parties. Actually, I think they recently added that feature back. Oh, but nice. But you could like watch, like, you could group up together, like, if you're going into a game lobby, but at Netflix. And you could all watch it in, like, a theater setting on your screen. And, like, I remember my friends and I were watching this when I were, like, 13 or 12. I would be like, this is the sickest shit ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just, it just a fun, it's just a fun movie. And I, it feels like a fever dream, which is really how I feel about Killer7. So that is my companion piece pick. I like it. I like it. My, my companion piece pick is actually going to be, and it's been mentioned here in this episode already, Twin Peaks. Twin uh, Peaks, baby. I Twin love Peaks. It. Twin Peaks is badass. I know Matt's seen it. I actually put him on Twin Peaks. I did my first full watch through of Twin Peaks actually about a year ago now. I think I started October of 2019. Um, finished it, you know, about a month in. And um, it's just got that kind of like, you know, that, that cryptic dialogue vibe going yeah. on. You know, like in the first, uh, and spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen Twin Peaks, like in the beginning of the second season, where it's like the owls are not what they seem with chemicals he points and it's like he something of the smiling bag there's yeah, all this like yeah. cryptic weird like little clues that i'm looking back like, on too i've seen that show I, like i still don't really know what those mean exactly like, <laughs> <laughs> well i they, they talk about it here and there yeah. i think obviously i think more of it was supposed to be expanded on throughout yeah. like season three before the show got actually taken off but it's just kind of got those like really interesting cool quips that are like really cryptic and short mm -hmm. um and memorable you know these baby boomers don't know right from wrong <laughs> like yeah, yeah. susie sumner says it you know or like my master we're in a tight spot my master this is harsh you know like there's these cool whenever i heard that it reminded me of when um oh, what's the main detective's name again oh in um twin peaks yeah, yeah, yeah. cooper oh coop agent cooper Coop, agent coop it reminded me of me like that's some damn good coffee <laughs> oh, God. we might need to do a twin peaks podcast for, Honestly, for the network yeah. <laughs> oh, what a good show yeah so that's my that's my companion piece pick purely based off of like not well the aesthetic is similar in a lot of ways like the lodge you know versus like the, some of the things that are seen inside of killer seven um some of the minimalism um on the set of killers on the sets of killer seven along with the sets of uh twin peaks really resonated and i think there's a lot of crossover yeah um but of course uh killer seven is infinitely more violent than anything in twin peaks i mean twin peaks is kind of brutal in some parts but it is also a network tv show whereas killer Not as 7 many is, freedoms in that regard yeah killer yeah. seven is just bloody gory goriness you know even i mean for 2005 it's you get as gory as you can get it was the gore it was as gory and bloody as you can be for that time with yeah, those graphics 100 but um yeah man that's that's what i got and i'm really glad you picked twin peaks because i remember even before you text me like i think that might be my companion piece pick i was thinking yeah. like it might be mine too <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so i'm glad we were on the the same page too what i really love about that too is like one of the videos is i watched you mention how it's very david lynchian and i already thought about twin peaks relating to it even before you know i watched yeah. that video essay so that was kind of fun that like oh that's a pretty common i guess um interpretation interpretation similar artists people look at when they're 
uh, looking into kind of maybe inspirations or comparisons to this game. So I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Cool, man. Give me, Lucas, give me your juicy, dank favorite moment. So, so I have a few favorite moments. I think my favorite moment is what we just played in that soundbite, which is that dialogue between Harmon Smith and Kunlan where they're talking about like, oh, you, why are you, you know, why you're a bad player or, you know, why you always lose our chess games? Cause you're a bad player. Like that whole scene is really yeah. cool. I've seen that scene. I, I watched that scene on YouTube like twice a year for sure. Um, but my other favorite moment of the game is actually when the big twist comes out and there is a big twist in the game where you learn that the killer seven themselves, they themselves are kind of remnant psyche ghosts um, because they were all killed at a hotel in Philadelphia several years before the game actually kicked off. So you learn that all the players that you've been playing as themselves are ghosts, essentially, or personalities, remnant psyches that have been absorbed into one person, which would be Harmon Smith. So um, there's, a, there's a really interesting twist that happens near the end of the game, but there's scenes where you see each individual Smith die in that hotel. And it is pretty mind-blowing when you're going through that whole sequence of events. It's really you crazy. Up, you go up each floor, and on each floor, a smith gets killed and assassinated. Um, and the whole time, Greensleeves is being whistled by the assassinator. Um, so it's just a really kind of twisted, scary thing. And it turns out the assassin was a 13-year-old kid that killed all seven of the Killer Seven. Uh, Amir so, Parkrunner. Amir Parkrunner, yeah. One of the, one of the kind of shadow villains of the whole game that comes into play later on and yeah just uh really cool not only as a revelation but as an aesthetic i think it was really interesting because the whole sequence is actually done through first person pov yeah, yeah so that was really interesting. you never see the actual killer you just see him walk into each hotel room and then the other people just get shot and then eventually die or just get shot in the head and just die instantly you know and uh yeah it was just a really cool reveal really great moment for me yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, so I, I have a few actually. I had trouble nailing it down on one that like really loved. So obviously, we kind of already touched about it. But I love the whole Lumeda boss battle cutscene. Um, Clarence, I thought was super fun character just to kind of experience for a minute, um, and the kind of the implications that he's like this Jesus Christ figure. I thought was just really interesting. Just a super fun cutscene to watch. Um, there's one moment in like one of the last levels that where Travis from the Remini Sykes, like you enter into this room that you have to like work to use like a special power to get into. And then Travis is just like on an elliptical and he's just like staring at you. And he's like smiling, like this stupid big smile on his face. And he's just on the elliptical, like going back and forth, just like looking oh, at you, smiling. And why'd like, that what? get you so why'd that get you I, so? I good? don't know. It was just like I feel like everything up to that point, he was either like in a car or like he wasn't like necessarily doing an action, but he was just like kind of standing, hanging out. And then just like, I, I was just like, what is this? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I just, maybe I was just so happy to be done with the game almost. You know, I was just like, oh, this is a nice cherry on top for me. But yeah. um, it was just such like a comedic scene to me. I felt like, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And then not necessarily favorite, but by far most shocking and probably what stood out to me the most. And I do want to talk about a little bit, just to like emphasize how messed up this game is at some parts. Um, when Blackburn killed Pedro, Curtis Blackburn. Yeah. Um, Blackburn being like one of the main antagonists of the game, or one of the people you're sent to assassinate, rather, that basically deals in like the organ market. And it's very heavily implied that he often harvests organs from like little girls, basically. Uh, very dark stuff. 
And then there's one scene where I think Pedro's like a business partner that wronged him or something of that nature. So he comes back to kill him. And then uh, Blackburn, the um, the bad guy, is like, oh, what do you think happened to your family, huh? And he's describing all the horrible things he did. He's basically like insulting his son for like not being strong enough to save the mother. And then Pedro's like, wait, what? What about Mary? What? What about my daughter? And then Blackburn goes like, oh. And he tosses this little girl's severed head in front of Pedro. And I'm just like, how'd this game come up on it? Like, what? Like, how is this, like, approved? Holy like, shit. Like, I'm just, I was just so, like, what? Like, I feel like, it just blew my mind. Like, this is so dark. Like, yeah. harsher than harsh. I, yeah, I was just very blown away in that moment. And he was probably my favorite person to kill by far just because i was like man this guy is just a shitty guy overall yeah like there, there's no redeeming factors about him <laughs> whatever so. the opposite of the npc award is he got that one yeah yeah <laughs> for sure yeah the the, the anti-npc award for sure yeah now matt would you play some other games from this developer i have to ask i would i i'd be willing to give no more heroes a try I think that'd be a fun one to play on Wii, especially since it's such like a hack and slash. I think that could be fun. Mm-hmm. That's about the only one I'd be really interested in giving a go. I am kind of interested in Chainsaw Lollipop. I did not realize he made that as well, but I've been familiar with that game. Mm-hmm. So I'd be willing to give them a go, especially because I think the other games that he made, at least gameplay-wise, like the style of the gameplay, it's not as similar, or it's not very similar to what Killer7 was. And hopefully the story's a little less... Convoluted. Convoluted, I guess. Yeah. Um, so those are the ones I would definitely be willing to give a go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've played No More Heroes. Um, I beat it as well like when it? I was really young. Yeah. No More Heroes is pretty cool. No More Heroes is actually a really interesting game. It's it's attack and slash. It's for the Wii. Um, it's very self-aware. It's kind of a very stylized game. I think you would actually really enjoy No More Heroes yeah. for sure um, if you ever got a chance to play it. We could play it for the pod maybe one day. Um, it's for the Wii. It uses a little bit of motion controls too. And it's basically like you're a guy – <laughs> you're, you're the main character Travis Touchdown is like heavily based on um Johnny uh, Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And like you're basically you're basically Johnny Knoxville going through like boss levels and killing like the killers that are ranked above you because you're just like a, a douchebag jerk that just wants to be number one. You're basically also, like an otaku too, aren't you? Like just Yeah, like, you're an otaku loser, and you're yeah. <laughs> and you're into and you're into like wrestling and you just live in a crummy apartment in the city. <laughs> and uh you, it's it's cool man it's a it's a really like funny fun personality driven game and that main character is just super fun um but yeah i played that one it's great um i've always wanted to play lollipop chainsaw as well um but i, I actually heard that that one's kind of eh, um compared to like, oh, something really? like number of heroes yeah but i'd still be willing to give it a try um and i heard killer is dead is actually a really sick game um okay. where it's it's kind of like hack and slash but it also has these deep interpretive convoluted i love maybe i just love convoluted stuff but <laughs> killer is dead i guess has these really weird esoteric cutscenes that people are like what the fuck did that just mean right like yeah. i'm a, i i want to i want to i want to figure out what that means for sure um but yeah um i think i think grasshopper manufacturer i think suda 51 um really interesting figure very enigmatic um unique um creates very different tour like video game experiences. I mean, when you play a, a Suda 51 game or a Grasshopper game, you know that it is a Suda or a Grasshopper game. Um, very self-aware, um, cryptic and strange and absurd, um, but also very violent and bloody because this guy used to be an undertaker. He doesn't, death, he just lived with death 
all the yeah, time. Yeah, dude. Once I learned that that fact that he was a grave digger undertaker, I was like, man, this makes a lot more sense now. What I yeah. played like it. The the influence that I'm sure that kind of profession and job can have on someone's psyche is very prevalent in his game design. So yeah. So Matt, final conclusive thoughts, man. <sighs> It was an okay game. Um, okay. I okay. like the art. I like the sound design, obviously. I've already gave both of those a lot of praise. But for me, I just had trouble getting into the game because I like games that challenge how I think. Obviously, I love Stanley Parable. You know, I loved The Beginner's Guide. But this game, to me, it got to a point where it was so... There were so many small details and abstract things to get through first before I could get to that deeper meaning that it just kind of turned me off a little bit, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I get it, man. It's not for everybody. I, I this is one of those games where I, I would not, I, I recognize that it's, it's like that. I recognize that that opinion, like is probably going to be the majority opinion for most people that play this game. That's totally cool. Um, but it, it, for me, if, if you're out there and you're into really absurd stuff, if you, if you devour things like, like Lynch or, you know, Tarantino, Lynch, like Coen Brothers or just weird, obscure, violent, cryptic types of media, you might really enjoy Killer7 if you're also a gamer. And I think just the dialogue alone is, is worth staying up late and just sitting sure. and, and, yeah. and listening to for a while. So I, I, I think we're prepared for our ratings. Ready. Okay. Ratings. All right. Okay. So everybody, just so, just so you all know, Matt and I, Rate a game out of 20. We each give it a score out of 10. Okay, then we add that up. That's the, that's the true score. Okay, because every video game, you know, it, me and Matt are the final authority on. Yeah. You know? and I doubt anyone's given it a rating. IGN, Metacritic, GameSpot, they mean nothing Thanks for in playing. front of Lucas and I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for playing is the ultimate arbiter. Exactly. <laughs> arbiter. So Ar out of... Ar a, so <laughs> Ar arbiter? I think arbiter, yeah. Yeah. Out of 10. Yeah. Matt, we're gonna say our scores on three. Okay, count us down, baby. Oh, on 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 go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> three, <laughs> three, two, one, go. Nine. Six. Ah. Oh. I thought you were gonna give it a five. I thought you were gonna give it a five. I thought you were gonna give it a ten. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. No, no. no. It is, this isn't the witness. This isn't a ten. I'm glad, though, we landed in the zone that I personally wanted to land in. This game lands at a 15, which puts us... <laughs> this game is in the Edgar zone. The Edgar zone. Edgar right. being one of our best buddies in, um, in Brocal, cool. which we can yeah. elaborate on another day. <laughs> no, no, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. You know, we, we got a crew. We got a crew. It's called Brocal. We got a guy named Edgar in there. He's, he's, a, he's in the... He's, he's the, the muscle. <laughs> He's the muscle for sure. He's the he's, hot muscle. Yeah, he's the hot. He's the hot one. So we we reserve yeah. this zone for him. Just a hot um, dude. Yeah, he's good. You know, it's it's above the Mickey zone. It's above the Ricky zone. And we, we can go into them a little bit later. <laughs> a different, it's a different episode. You know, but maybe one game will be in those zones. You know, and that'd be a be a pretty bad game. But, <laughs> that'd you know, be, it'd be bad if we were in the Mickey zone. <laughs> so yeah. you got anything else? Uh, nah, baby. That wraps it up for me. Uh, alrighty yeah. folks. So if you want to maybe email the podcast, maybe chat with us, maybe you have some questions about killer seven or some stuff you want to elaborate on, you can shoot us an email over at thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. 
You can also find the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. Uh, feel free to come hang out there and follow us. We're trying to get a little bit more active on social media, so hopefully there should be some fun stuff on there. And then if you're interested in hanging out with me online um, and watching me retweet anime memes, uh, I can be found <laughs> at uh, on Twitter at uh, Good Idea Matthew, and I stream occasionally on Twitch at Good Idea Matt. And Lucas, where can we find you? Well, honestly, very simple. Good Idea Lucas on Instagram and Twitter if you want to find me at Good Idea Lucas on both those platforms. Uh, like my posts, shoot me a DM. You know, um, you could also find me on Twitch. Same tag, Good Idea Lucas. Um, occasionally streaming some Melee, uh, Valorant, <laughs> and the video games that we're playing. So uh, catch me, uh, follow me, and you can catch me kind of streaming some of the games that we're going to be playing for. Thanks for playing. Should Side note, I'm really annoyed that Good Idea Matt was taken on Twitter and Instagram too, actually. <laughs> I know. Somebody had a really yeah. good idea. Took I know. That from you. Good idea, Matt. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Anything else, Lucas? That's all I got, man. Alrighty, catch y'all next time. Skip it about. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 